As we enter the Advent season, this morning I would like us to think about Mary, the mother of Jesus. We first meet Mary in Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. To be the mother of the Messiah was the dream of every Jewish maiden. And now Mary is given that high and holy privilege. But she had so many things to think about, to try to understand what was happening and what her role was going to be. And so she went to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And we read of that beginning in verse 39 of Luke 1. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. 
Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Verse 56. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. But while she was there with Elizabeth, when she heard what Elizabeth had said, her heart was just thrilled and filled with praise to God. And she issued this beautiful, beautiful song, beginning at verse 46. My soul praises the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble estate of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. So our introduction to Mary is to a beautiful, sincere, believing young woman. But it is interesting that in the rest of the New Testament, we don't really read much about Mary. But every time we do meet her, it is as if she has a message to share with us. So let's look at some of the messages that come from Mary. The first one is in verse 38 of our text. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Or I love the way the living translation puts it. I am willing to do whatever he wants. You know, oftentimes we can read that and, and not think about what it really meant to Mary. For Mary, in, in that, that crisis time, must have been thinking, what am I going to tell Joseph? How can I explain to him that I am pregnant? Will he believe me? What is this going to do to my future? And in Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18, we do find Joseph's reaction. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man 
and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. I've tried to imagine how Mary must have felt as she had to tell Joseph, the man that she loved, the man to whom she was engaged, to tell him that she was pregnant. He knew it was not because of him, for they had not had any relations. And for a moment, his heart must have broken. Tears must have come into his eyes as he looked at her and said, Mary, how could you do this to me? I thought you loved me. I thought you were committed to me. How could you do this? And then he decided, I've got to divorce her. But I'll do it quietly and try to spare her any humiliation. Mary knew that this would probably be his reaction. And in spite of that, she says, I am willing to do whatever God wants. It wasn't long after the birth of Jesus that Joseph came into the room one time and said, Mary, pack quickly. We have to go to Egypt. Go to Egypt? Why? Why do we have to go to Egypt? This is, this is a beautiful place where we are. And Joseph had to tell her, Herod the Great is planning to kill our son. And the Lord has warned me and told me that we must go to Egypt so that we will be safe. And once again, Mary, acting against her, her native response, said, yes, I will go with you. Whatever he wants, I will do. And Mary's message to us is that we should have that response in all of life's situations. I am willing to do whatever he wants. Back when the United States invaded Iraq the first time. We were very concerned about Janet Neely Kimball, who was a missionary in Jordan. And I remember calling her up and I said, Jan, we're concerned about your safety. We don't know what's going to happen over there. And I just want you to know that if you want to come home, we will send emergency funds right off and make it possible for you to come home. And I will never forget Jan's words to me. She said, Pastor, please don't ask me to come home. 
I've lived with these people for years. I've told them that God is sufficient no matter what. And if I run away now, it will undermine everything that I have said. And then she said, I am willing to do whatever God wants me to do, even if it means death. A former member of this church, Jerry Austin, is a good friend of mine. Back in the spring, we received word that Jerry was sick. We went to South uh, North Carolina and visited him in the hospital. He was obviously weakened. And I'll never forget a conversation that we had. As he looked up at us from his hospital bed and he said, It doesn't matter whether I live or die. I am willing to do whatever the Lord wants. And two months later, we went back to Raleigh to visit his widow. For God had taken him home. But he went in peace. And his widow had peace. Because they were both committed to that truth. That I am the Lord's servant. I am willing to do whatever he wants. I will never forget my personal struggle I was a student in seminary, struggling with some very big issues in my life. And I was not really at that place yet where I could say to God, I am willing to do anything that you want. And I began to think, how can I go and be a minister if I'm not willing to pray that prayer and really mean it? And every day just before chapel, I would go and sit on a stone wall, read from the book of Isaiah, and pray. And I remember the first day I did it. I read from the scriptures, and then I said, Lord, I'm willing to do anything you want. And it was like that had hit a ceiling and bounced back on me. And I realized I didn't really mean that. But I've got to mean it. How can I do it? And day after day, I would go and sit on that stone wall and I'd pray, Oh, God, if you can, make me willing. And one day after several days, I found myself really praying and really meaning, Lord, I am willing to do anything that you want me to do. And that was one of the most important moments in my whole life. And at this Christmas season, Mary would say to every one of us, be willing to do whatever God wants you to do. Mary's second message is found in verse 47. In her Magnificat, she said that my spirit 
rejoices in God, my Savior. And even though she had been blessed among women, even though it could be said of her that she had found favor with God, she still recognized her own need for forgiveness and for a Savior. You know, it is a sad thing, but very often our virtues keep us from Christ. At the cross, the disciples fled because of their faithfulness. The theologians condemned Christ to death because of their knowledge. The soldiers nailed him to the cross because of obedience and conscientiousness. Yes, our virtues often keep us from Christ. This past Friday night, Marion and I went into Boston to hear Max McLean perform the staged version of C.S. Lewis' book, The Screwtape Letters. It was an amazing experience, and he did a fantastic job. And, and Screwtape is a senior demon teaching a junior demon how to succeed. And I remember uh, a lot of the lines, but one of them especially was this. We must make him proud. He is feeling very humble, and that's terrible. The enemy doesn't want that. And so we are going to whisper in his ear, Isn't it wonderful that you are humble? And soon he will be proud of his humility. Isn't it true? We look at our own virtues and we say, I'm pretty good. I'm doing better than a lot of my friends and people that I know. And we allow this to keep us from Christ. On the day of Jesus' crucifixion, I submit that it is very possible that only one person understood fully what was happening. And that was the thief on the cross who said, we deserve what we're getting, but this man has done nothing wrong. Mary, in the moment when she was being honored by heaven, visited by angels, still said, God is my Savior. She put her focus on him. Corrie ten Boom, during World War II, living in Holland, hid many Jews from the Nazis. And for this, she has been honored. A film has been made about her called The Hiding Place. She is a marvelous, marvelous lady. Gordon College wanted to give her an honorary doctorate. And Marion and I, we have been in her home, actually, in Holland. We've, we've met her. We wanted to be there. And so we went to this 
very moving service. And they bestowed this honor upon Corey Ten Boom. And the speakers just lauded her for all of her accomplishments. And then they said, would you like to say something? And this is what she said. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey and the people cheered, they weren't cheering for the donkey. I give all the glory to my Lord. That's what our lives ought to be. That we are so in love with Jesus Christ, so submitted to God, that the fact that he is our Savior becomes the focal point of our lives. But you know, when somebody starts out really believing in God, a lot of other people say, oh, that'll wear off. You just wait. Wait a few months, wait a couple of years. That will wear off. I wonder if they said that about Mary. Very possibly they did. But the next time we meet Mary, it's 30 years later. She has traveled with Jesus, and we know that she did travel with him some from John chapter 2, verse 12. And uh, she was at a wedding in Cana of Galilee, where Jesus was. And they ran out of wine. And it was a very embarrassing situation for the host. And Mary knew about it. And she, she went to the servants. And she said, now Jesus is here. I think he can solve our problem. And then she said something, and this is a tremendously important message. Do whatever he says. And that's so important. Jesus himself said in Luke 6:46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I say? And how we need to hear in this day the message of Mary that says, do whatever Jesus says. I will never forget a man coming to me for counseling. He had embezzled thousands and thousands of dollars from several people. And he came to me just a broken man. And so I told him about Jesus, that Jesus had died on the cross for his sins. I asked him if he would like to invite Christ into his life. And he said, yes, I would. And so we prayed together and he invited Christ into his life. And then he said something very interesting. He said, ah. I feel like I've been born again. And I said, have you ever heard that term? He said, no, I thought I made it up. And I said, oh, no. And I took him to John 3, and I showed how Jesus said that when we put our faith in him, we really are born again. But then he suddenly became sober and said, but what do I do about the money I've embezzled? 
I said, what do you think Jesus wants you to do? He thought a minute and he said, I guess he wants me to go to everybody I've embezzled from and, and try to pay them back, but I can't pay them back. I said, well, you could promise to, to make a real effort, couldn't you? He said, yes. I said, then do whatever he asks you to do. But he was scared, understandably so. And so we prayed together. And I asked the Lord to go with him. And he went to the people that he had embezzled from and came back to see me a week later. And he said, every one of them has forgiven me and given me an opportunity to pay it back. Do whatever he tells you to do. When our church used to be down in Bridgeport on Fairfield Avenue, there was a shell station owned in partnership by three of the members of the church. And they were open seven days a week. And one day, I, I guess as a result of one of my sermons, they felt very convicted that they should close on the Lord's Day. And so they came to me and talked about it and said, uh, but we're in a contract with Shell Oil, and I don't think they'll let us out, and, and it's a scary thing. Sunday's a big day. We, we get a lot of business. I said, what, what's the Lord telling you to do? Well, I guess he's telling us to, to close on, on the Lord's Day. I said, then do whatever he says. They went to Shell Oil, and at first Shell Oil wasn't going to let them out of the contract. But they insisted. They said, give us one year to see what happens. And Shell Oil amazingly said, all right, you can close on Sunday for one year. But if you don't make money, then you've got to open on Sunday. And so we prayed, and a year later they came and reported to me, we have sold more gas and more products this year in six days than we ever did in seven. And Shell Oil has allowed us to remain closed every Sunday from now on. Do whatever he asks you to do. Gary Allen was one of the leading brain scientists in America. He had a tremendous future. He was, everything was going well for him. And then the Lord said to him, Gary, I want you to give this up and I want you to be a missionary to the United Nations. Gary had to wrestle with it. It was a huge decision. But he did what the Lord said. And now he ministers to kings and presidents and uh, ambassadors. It's, it's one of the most thrilling ministries that I know of. And it's all because he did what God asked him to do. And God may be asking you to do something today. 
something that goes against your personality, something that goes against your grain, something that goes against all of your ambitions. But if it's God asking you, think of Mary's message. Do whatever he says. And then, three and a half years later, we see Mary once again. And in John 19:25 it says, And near the cross of Jesus was Mary, his mother. Simeon had told her that Jesus' life and death would pierce her heart. And this was the day that it happened. I've been in St. Peter's in Rome a number of times. I always like to go and stand in front of the Pieta by Michelangelo and look at that scene as Mary is holding the dead body of Jesus, her son. And the look on her face just brings tears to your eyes. But she was there near the cross. There's a beautiful old hymn. The words go like this. Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain, free to all a healing stream, flows from Calvary's mountain. Near the cross, a trembling soul, love and mercy found me. There the bright and morning star sheds its beams around me. Near the cross, O Lamb of God, bring its scenes before me. Help me walk from day to day with its shadows o'er me. Near the cross, I'll watch and wait, hoping, trusting ever, till I reach the golden strand just beyond the river. Oh, friends, we need to be near the cross. And you know, a beautiful thing happened on that day. Jesus looked down from the cross and saw his mother and said, Mother, John is there. He'll take care of you. And Jesus provided for her need for her broken heart, and she was cared for the rest of her life by the Apostle John. She went with him, tradition says, to Ephesus, and there she died. And we have seen the place where she lived in Ephesus. But she was near the cross. Every one of us needs to live near the cross. And then we just see Mary one more time in the New Testament. 
And that's in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, which says, And they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus. The last picture we have of Mary, she was praying with other believers and seeking the will of God. And you know, it must have seemed impossible to her and to the disciples. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He had spoken of how his kingdom would grow and prosper. The angel had said his kingdom will never end. And here they were, maybe as many as 120, but that's it. But they prayed that God would be with them. And today, the gospel of Jesus Christ can be found in every country of the world. Churches abound, and God is being glorified because Mary and others prayed together, and it brought miracles to our world. Oh, my friends, we are living in terrible times. I I don't like to read the newspaper. I don't like to watch the news on television. It's so discouraging. But that ought to be a reminder of Mary's message to us. Pray constantly with God's people. And miracles can begin to happen. Mary, a wonderful, dedicated woman, committed to God, and she has a message for each one of us.